0: I'm Mina Starzyak-Hawk and this is Mina AF where I answer all of your questions and you can ask me anything.
1: Can we talk about money? Can you still breastfeed with implants?
0: You're both boss moms
1: and I'd love to know the story of how you met.
0: Literally anything any of you want to hear. Listen as we build a community and get to know each other better hey you guys I hope you all had a lovely Monday uh, happy Tuesday welcome to Mina AF and um, today I'm very excited because we have Whitney Hansen she is a financial coach and I do think it's important to mention although your brain it doesn't matter what it looks like but you are very like relatable to I think the general population where I think when I think financial advisor it's like the stuffy Edward Jones person that sends me emails all the time and that's not what we're doing here right no no. no. Not at all. So give <laughs> us a little background. So you're 35. Yeah. What's, what's the story? Like, how'd you get started? Yeah. What are you doing?
1: So my background really came from – everybody's like, we all have our childhood stories, our money stories that we grew up with. It was either money doesn't grow on trees, you know, close the door. We don't pay to heat the house. Like all of the stuff that we all heard as kids, that's really Uh where our money stories began. But for me, it was a little bit different. So I grew up in a very uh, traditional household where my mom was a stay-at-home mom. She had six kids. My dad was working, running a business, and my mom never really had an education. So she was full-time raising kids. And I remember at one point their relationship started to turn for the worse. It was really getting pretty bad. And it started to get emotionally and physically abusive. And I remember one day I was asking my mom, I'm like, why Why are you not leaving this situation? Like, what the heck? Money. And I remember she told me money. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right? She's like, I don't have the money to leave this situation. And so that was really heartbreaking for me. I was like, well, that freaking sucks. Like, I never want to be in a situation where I'm trapped because of money. That would not Mm -hmm. be something I want to do. So I went off to college. I graduated with my bachelor's in accounting, realized about four years in, I absolutely hated that, but I was too far down that path where I'm like, commit. (laughs) You don't pull out that many years in. No, exactly. And so I had graduated with $30,000 in debt. And that's kind of where I had my first, like, big financial decision where I was like, okay. Which on the gamut of, like, college debt, not tragic, right? True. It's true, right? But but also – 21, I was like, holy crap. Like, that's so much money. How do I get out of that? And so, like, I kind of had that, that moment where I'm like, okay, do I buckle down, pay it off, or do I just accept that I have this monthly payment for the rest of my life? But it felt so heavy that I didn't like that. So I worked two jobs. I was a staff accountant by day. And the nights and weekends, I was a manicurist and pedicurist. Like, that's what I did all through college. Feet. I could do hands. I couldn't do feet, Whitney. Oh, you you get, everybody says that. You get over it so fast. I think it's like nurses with blood. They're like, yeah, whatever. (laughs)
0: Well, it's weird. I say that. Like, I did. European body wraps when I was like oh, 15 sweet. and people were like naked in front of me and they yeah. are not always like the most enjoyable people to be
1: wrapping naked. But... <laughs> totally. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that was my feat. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. But that was the the plan that I did. So those two jobs allowed me to, to pay it all off in 10 months. And so that was kind of my entry point into I didn't have two hands, but I mean at, yeah,
0: thirty thousand dollars. That's amazing.
1: It was crazy. And honestly, Mina, I would do it again in a second. Yeah. Like people hear that. And it was a it was a ton of sacrifice. It really was. But I would do it again. Like but it for bettered a very my short life.
0: period of time.
1: Totally. Like if you had to do that for the rest of your life.
0: Yeah, if you not. had 300000 dollars in debt and it wasn't right. you couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel, I, that might be a little more challenging. But that's awesome. And I think you guys, that's part of why the reason it's so you're successful at what you do is because it is such a relatable story. You're yeah. you're not wrong when you say, like, my husband still says those things to our kids, like totally when the lights don't get turned off and stuff. And I'm like, baby, we have a hot tub. The light not getting turned <laughs> off is not the our, our issue with our electricity But <laughs> it's just these mantras that are in our head. And my I think our I'm 38, so I think we're close enough. Mm -hmm. In like generations, like our parents' generation, I think it was a lot of the stay-at-home moms. And that's definitely something I saw where not, I mean, my parents have been married eight times collectively. So uh, with all of them, though, there was like money, I think, in so many people's lives is this control mechanism for better or for worse. And I definitely learned that at a young age. Like I want my own because if you have your own, it's something that someone doesn't have control over you. Which is very liberating.
1: Yeah. I think there's definitely like
0: where you top off for sure, where it's like, Mm -hmm. I think in life you can get a little like too over-focused on it because for me, I mean, it was very much that. I mean, my dad made the money. He controlled everything, even in school. Um, So what do you think about that? Like, did you ever feel like there was a, there's like a tipping point for people where you can get like too obsessed about, well, I need to have this
1: much in the bank and I need Yeah. Where it's like too consuming. Yeah, yeah, I do. I see it a lot too. A lot of my my coaching clients, they are either deeply in like a scarcity mindset or they almost go too far into like the woo abundance mindset where yeah. they're like, I can just out earn this problem. And like, that's also an issue, right? So there's the two extremes that we we usually battle with. But I do find that a lot of the people that I come across, they kind of live in more of a scarcity mindset. Where they're like, let's say we look at a budget together. Okay, we're looking at somebody's financial situation, and at the end of the day, they want to pay off their debt as quickly as possible and take a sweet vacation. And when they're looking at all of those numbers, immediately, usually what we gravitate towards is how do I cut my expenses in order to make this work? And I usually I'm like, do it, play with it. Let's see what you know what happens if we cut out three hundred dollars. What happens if we don't do this any longer? And then pretty soon, what they get to is they still don't have enough and then it becomes an income problem. Yeah. So then it starts to switch into how do we make more money collectively as a household in order to reach our financial goals. And so it does usually start at scarcity, but you you tend to get more into abundance when you see that money is really not that hard to earn if mm. you're creative and looking for opportunities. How long have you been in financial coaching? I have been doing this for seven years, and okay. that is my full-time job. Like So I see – hundreds of budgets every year. Talk to lots of different people. It's fun.
0: I'm just interested to see if you've seen a swing in the seven years, like the generational differences that we're seeing across the board in workforce and work ethic and, you know, what I have to do to accomplish fill in the blank. Like the priorities are just different. Like our parents, they would get three jobs. People yeah. don't, that's like not even an option for people right now. It's because so there's this, I feel like maybe the pendulum swung too far towards you know, you're, you're, <laughs> I was gonna say mental health in like a sarcastic way, but like sometimes making those sacrifices to work two jobs for six months or whatever it is, is what you need to do. But right. it doesn't seem like people are doing that. Like that's not an option.
1: Yeah. And I think you see that when times are really good from a financial economy, when everything's going well. Nobody is really drawn to, let me pick up a side hustle. Let me go do some DoorDash or Uber Eats to bring in some extra cash to pay off my debt. Like that is super unsexy, right? So usually it's not that level of seriousness yet, but I do find that when when there's more talks of recessions, when there's more talks of like, you know, the student loan crisis, like all of this stuff, when it starts to really come down on people, then they're more open to that. And I think it's because they have to be. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's just more indicative of economies and like where we're at of how it ebbs and flows. But I would say most of the people that I personally work with are willing to side hustle if it makes sense for their financial goals. And so that's the beauty of numbers. You can run the math and say, okay, if you picked up a side hustle, you would be paying off this credit card in six months. If you didn't, it would take you three years to pay off. Are you willing to make that sacrifice? Sure. But if it's a couple months difference, they're usually like, no, thanks. I'll just continue drinking my Starbucks yeah. and going out to eat. So I think it's more of a goal behind it. That's my next question. How do you work through with people? Um, so
0: Uh, Like my husband, for example, he has an online platform. It's a workout, um, HawkFit. He has nutrition, he has coaching. Like it's a great program. And he probably has the conversation daily with people about, I can't afford this. And it'd be great if he was like, Well, let me let you talk to my friend Whitney because you actually can. And your health is way more important than Starbucks. But that mindset, like you can't, you can't not afford fill in the blank. You can't not afford to get your finances in order if you want to ever retire. I mean, a big part of my, like my dad's 75 mm-hmm. and he is still working. And I mean, but his youngest kid is 18. <laughs> he spread him out a lot. So, Dang, like, good for him. Yeah, right. So, like creating those options, but how do you get through that mindset of people okay, you can pay this debt off if you just don't buy that sixth energy drink a day or <laughs> right. you know, whatever that thing is. Because I feel like almost, again, as a society, we feel like, like it's my right to be able to spend $5 on Starbucks in the morning. Eating better is so easy with Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals. All their meals are chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. With over 35 different options to choose from every single week, including calorie smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, Factors Fresh never-frozen meals are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. My absolute favorite meal from them was a shrimp pasta one, and that is hard to do in a warmed-up meal, and they were so perfect. They also have more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. And you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. That's right. No prep and no mess. We've done the math, and Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash MinaAF50 and use code MinaAF50 to get 50% off. That's code MinaAF50 at factormeals.com slash MinaAF50 to get 50% off. Eco sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but it's an ultra concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It is the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and your skin. I absolutely love them. They're so convenient. They take up very little space and you don't have the giant bulky jugs that always leak, no matter how hard I try. One EarthBreeze Eco sheet does all the hard work for you. And these tiny sheets can stop millions of detergent jugs from entering our ecosystem. Not only is it better for the planet, but EarthBreeze is also better for sensitive skin. EarthBreeze EcoSheets are dermatologist-tested, hypoallergenic, and free of bleach, dyes, and parabens. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I've actually done something good just by doing my laundry. I think you should give it a try and if you decide to go back to your old stuff for whatever reason, you get a full refund on your EarthBreeze purchase no questions asked. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com/minaaf. That's earthbreeze.com/minaaf to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com/minaaf.
1: Yeah, that I deserve it mentality. It's yeah. so, it's so, tr- it's a really tough one to break through because so often it's easier to increase your lifestyle than decrease your lifestyle by 100%. far, right? It's yeah. that lifestyle creep. And so, For a lot of people, when they get to that point where they're like, okay, I know something needs to change because this is clearly not working for me. It's what do I change first? And so it all starts with just that, like, come to Jesus moment, write everything down, get very clear on how much debt do you actually have? What are the interest rates? What's the minimum payments? All of that stuff is so key. And then look at your retirement calculations. You can go to investor.gov and they have like a a free calculator where you plug in all of your information and it will compound it and show you how much money you'll have. And for a lot of people, when you look at that number, you immediately know if that's going to be good or bad. Like, so if I look at it and I only have $20,000 a year for retirement, I know I need to to level up. Like, this is not the lifestyle that I want. And so sometimes that's a good enough wake up call. I find most of the time people make these big changes when it comes to marriage, kids, Death, divorce, like that's usually those big catastrophes or like life changes is when we, we tend to take the stuff more seriously. And so I find that anytime you go through that transition, that's a really good time to revisit your finances and just make sure everything's set up. But it all starts with that first moment of like, get clear, get aware. What are you actually sitting at in your life? And that's really painful. It truly is. Yeah.
0: I mean, people it is very similar with him when people are like i'm not meeting my goals he's like well write down everything you right. eat all day and they're like oh crap i drank yeah 1200 calories or right? whatever right like that's my problem <laughs> so like i think a lot of people the hurdle is just not wanting to see the reality of their financial situation because yeah. I think just human nature, it's easier to say the problem's out there than it's actually something I'm doing to myself or I'm doing yeah. to my family or my my unit, whatever that is. Yeah. So do you feel like you end up kind of being a therapist sometimes? Almost always. It yeah. is so
1: funny. I, I told my, my partner, Tony, I'm like, I feel like if I were to get more education, it would be within counseling and therapy because that yeah. is so much of this stuff comes down to our behaviors. But I want to circle back. One of the things that I thought was interesting when you were asking about- are we too obsessed with certain things? Ironically, when we first get started into finances, what I recommend for people is to get obsessed about this. Yeah, Do a deep dive, like watch all the YouTube videos, listen to podcasts, like read blog posts, do everything you can to immerse yourself into that world. And it's so much easier to stay focused and motivated because it becomes your new norm. And mm-hmm. so it's a really good little life hack. Whatever industry you're in, go all in on that industry. Consume only that content. And pretty soon, that's how you start to behave. It's really fascinating. Well, and
0: I think a simple thing too, then I've done it in various times in my life. It's just like a post a note on my mirror. Yeah. Wherever you're going to be in the morning like, you know, let's say your goal is like I'm not stopping at Starbucks because we want to save five grand for a big vacation. Right. Uh, like a picture of that vacation or something so it's always at the forefront of your mind. I've I've found has like helped me and my husband when we have a goal. It's harder for our children because they're very short-sighted right now. They're five and three. Yeah, they don't but quite. I'm you working know. on it.
1: You're like, come on, you guys, we can't go buying stuff at Target. Let's go, so Jack. This morning we were having a
0: conversation. Um, he wants a frog oh. because we were just on vacation and there was frogs. I'm like, bro, you got a fish tank. We can find a frog that can. There's one kind of frog that can like swim that lives underwater. Oh, cool! And so he says that he'll buy it, and we googled it, and it, they're only four ninety nine. I thought oh. it was going to be a much bigger lift for him. To to <laughs> for
1: sure, I would have too. Like a two hundred dollar
0: frog. Turns out, not not a big lift at all. So <laughs> we're probably getting a frog now but um the whole kid conversation because these are questions i've asked i yeah. took a business law class at iu that i loved it's why i started my ira it's why i started a mutual fund and one of the best decisions i made cuz i i don't i can't I, it was a roth ira so you know you mm-hmm. you can income out of what you can do there and i'm trying to right. transition things but having kids the conversations of the different kinds of iras um a 529 college plan all these different things like number letter combinations that are thrown out there that like I think I know about. I came to my husband. I'm like, we're doing a 529. He was like, that doesn't make sense because X, Y, Z. And I'm like,
1: well, I don't know enough to argue with you. (laughs) You're like short thing, bro. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. We won't. I, I just, I, you know, it was a fun buzzword for a minute that, uh, so what is your thought about the different places to put your money and where, they're going to have the biggest return for you. So
1: it kind of depends on if you're self-employed or if you work a traditional nine-to-five. So if you have a traditional nine-to-five, which I would suspect is most people listening in, yeah, one of the things to really make sure you're optimizing is your 401k or 457, 403b, like all of the different acronyms. But that's your employer-sponsored accounts. And so that's just a fancy way of saying they will match whatever you put in. That is it's truly free money. money. Like legit. Where do you get free money like that? So make sure you're getting that first and foremost. Even I've had a lot of people come to me and they're like, Well, I'm not doing that right now because I'm trying to pay off debt. But I'm like, Dude, you're like, you're missing out on money. Like you can do both of these things, they can both exist. And so that would be the first place. I mean,
0: what what have you seen in the market as like the highest match? Like I know when we, yeah, I had
1: more employees, I think we matched like up to 4% or something. My husband's company did even more. Five is about what the highest I see, usually like 3%. Sometimes it'll go up to 10, but that's like very rare. So yeah. it's usually about that 3 to 5%.
0: So just in, in a sentence, like dumb it real down. So people, yeah. if they haven't like grasped what you're saying, because I think it,
1: it's confused. like, wait, what can happen? Yeah, what do you mean this match? What 3%? So what this essentially means is let's say you have a salary of $50,000 a year and that your company offers a 5% match. So when you contribute $1,500 into your 401k, so this comes out of your paycheck and then it immediately goes into this account and gets invested for you, your employer, if it's a match, will match $1,500. So whatever you put in, you're going to get that amount of money back as well. And it all goes into your retirement account, which is killer. So then it can just sit there and grow and compound. And most of these, if you ever look into this and you're like, I don't even know what all the crap is in here. Like this is confusing. It's usually the standard is typically into a target date fund, which is like, let's say you want to retire in year 2045. It'll be catered and designed to help you reach that goal. And so it's so much easier.
0: Which means you're going to have riskier investments further out and then they will get more and more and more safe. That's right. Yep. Closer exactly. to retirement. So it's not as volatile yep. in the industry.
1: Correct. Yep, exactly. As you get older, you don't want to the big swings of the stock market. So it'll be more bonds, bonds. and less stocks. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the, the switch as you get older.
0: Why did we get away from? I'm just thinking when you said bonds, I have like every yeah. birthday present growing up. Was from my grandparents, was okay. was a, a bond, like the piece of paper that yeah. says $500, but only is worth two cents right now. Yeah. I actually, um, some of mine, because I'm 38, when I was 30, they were 30 year bonds. I have a couple that, you know, I got when I was, you know, eight, nine, 10. Cool. So they're still sitting
1: in the drawer. But why is that not a thing anymore? I mean, it exists. It still exists. Yeah. It's just nowadays, the bonds don't pay as well. So like we're seeing savings accounts that pay, you know, three to 4% interest. And historically that was like kind of the bond yield. And so anymore, they're not performing as well, unless we're talking about I bonds. Did you catch all that when that was a big thing? No, we missed the train on this one, Mina, but this was like last year they had I bonds, which are very similar to what you're talking about. It's just a different type of bond. And those were guaranteed 9%. Holy the, yeah. shit. It was crazy, right? And now they're not. They've gone down as the market has adjusted too. But that was a time period that's where they were at. Oh my gosh. That was wild.
0: Unheard of. That's and it's like, like
1: guaranteed nine yeah, percent. It's crazy. It's like investing in real estate without the chance of completely yeah, losing. Exactly. Your ass. Exactly. Yeah. That's so that was a pretty cool one. But I think that's mostly why is they just don't yield very much. They don't pay very much.
0: Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um Oh my God, I had a question, then I got so distracted with the I bonds. <laughs> You're
1: like, what is this? Well,
0: I will think of my question, but going back to like the 529, like those different places yeah. that you can put money, what do you see as because my husband's like, well, we'll just put money in a savings account. We don't need to put it in there because then it's limits what we can do. But sure, sure. Again, I like I know enough to be dangerous, which is not helpful in yeah. the financial market.
1: <laughs> yeah, 529s are not all bad. I think you do have to do your research though, and a lot of times. Ironically, people think if I do a 529, it has to be within my own state. That's not true. Like you can go a 529 Alaska plan. You can pick out some of the better ones for you. But the key is you want to make sure that whatever you contribute into that, you can move into any type of education. So if they decide to go to trade school, they want to be an electrician, it would apply to that. So you just want to make sure that you're actually picking a good 529 and looking at those fees so that you know exactly that it's not gonna you're not gonna get ripped off. The feeds you just have to watch out for. And so it's like state by state, they have different ones. Is that mm-hmm. what you're saying? That's correct. Yeah. And okay. they're they're not all bad. Like you get some great tax benefits. They can grow pretty well. You just have to run the numbers and see, you know, with this kid, are they for sure gonna be going off to college? Or is it better to do like a, a different to like start a Roth IRA for the kid? Cause that yeah. can also be applied to schooling. So if
0: let's say you started a 529 for your kid Uh and they're like, I'm not going to trade school. I'm not going to college. I'm going to work in the industry forever because I love waiting tables. What happens to the money?
1: Typically, you could roll it over to another child or you can take it out and you just pay taxes and penalties. Okay. So it's never like you don't lose all that money. It's just at that rate, you should have just probably invested it.
0: Okay. So to date for you, where would you say is like your most successful place that you've invested?
1: Um, so I would say there's two places because that as you can imagine, being a money nerd, I like to have my money all over the place yeah, spread it out. I have to. and so for me, the traditional investments of index funds that's where I love. That is where my heart and soul is. It's low cost. it performs about 10 I, what to 11%. is that I don't know what an index fund means. So let's an index fund <laughs> this is a great okay so an index fund is a very diverse collection of stocks. Okay. So typically, it's explained like the S and P five hundred. Okay. So the five hundred best performing companies in America. You would okay. be investing one single time. You'd make one purchase, and you'd get a little piece of all five hundred. Okay. And so it's super diverse. So that's my style. Like I don't do single stocks. Like that Day stresses trading. me out. No, yeah. not into that personally. That's where. I have most of my retirement money and then outside of that I do real estate investing too but I do unique Airbnbs like very unique properties so that's yes, kind of we're going to talk about that my like your Instagram account it's two very things cool. <laughs> thanks yeah. yeah so those are the things that I look for is diverse long term watch those fees and don't get in over my head if I don't okay. understand it I don't invest in it
0: okay which I remembered my question and I thought I was gonna have to like divert but I think that's a perfect segue if I don't understand I don't invest. I have, I cannot wrap my brain around what the F this like cryptocurrency situation is.
1: Yeah. Crypto is (laughs) very complex. I'm like trying to like, how do I, how do I break this down? Because it is quite complex and i got to be frank. I, I don't play in that market. It's way too volatile for me. Like I work so freaking hard for my money. I'm not trying to get rich quick. I'll just do a long-term game and that will work every time. So it's really challenging, though. You can make great money, and you can lose a ton. And from what I see, most people lose money. But I like—I don't even understand what it is. Like, we all just decided to make up a fake currency, <laughs> kind of, and yeah. Then start
0: trading it, is kind that- of.
1: Yeah, I think it's the technology behind it is what people are really pitching, and the technology is quite cool because it's a lot more secure. So you think, like, think real estate transactions. There's so many different areas there where it could be more secure, and that's basically what crypto, the technology behind it, could, the blockchain, could help with. Now, the the currency itself, it's almost like video game currency. Okay, like I'm thinking like Mario Brothers, like I'm collecting yeah, the little yeah. coins as I jump. Now think about it like more for like what kids do now where they're truly buying coins to go, yeah. like put like the Pokemon game. They're yeah. like buying more Pokeballs. It's kind of similar to that. So it's like it's still currency. So it's just this general agreement that we're going to place X value on this
0: thing that exists out in the universe yeah. Which now I can see why that would be super volatile because – There's nothing backing it. The, yeah. It's, it's just – It's just arbitrary. The the common like we're all just agreeing to this. Yeah. Which does not last for very long. <laughs> <I don't think.
1: laughs> no. That's why we see all these swings, right? That's why it's so crazy and so vol- volatile is because there isn't – it's playing on emotions, frankly. Yeah. And exactly. it's really tricky.
0: So I think the other thing that's interesting and definitely in our – I do not get into politics. I don't – like, as far as I get into religion as I like culty stuff,
1: but yeah, I do
0: think it's interesting with our, like, political climate. There's so many conversations about you shouldn't have your money in the bank. Like, going back to my, you know, my Polish grandma days where yeah. stuff was stuck in the wall and mattresses. Like, what are your thoughts yeah. on keeping your money all, like, physically on your body versus putting like, it place? Obviously, you I'm have your places. Of-
1: Yeah, definitely. I would never. So I think this is such a personal choice, but from a financial standpoint, I would never recommend that. And mostly because the mattress under the cash scenario, which is what we often hear or buying a bunch of gold and that kind of stuff, that's all fine. But at the end of the day, the mattress under the cash loses value every single year. So every day that it's not earning any with money, inflation, okay, with inflation, yeah. you're losing money. And so it feels safe, but it's really, it's just an illusion. And so mm-hmm. I think you really kind of have to get over that if that's the mindset you've been working with and just realizing that it's actually riskier not to invest. It's riskier not to put your money into savings. It's riskier to just like play it safe because you don't get that growth. So what is inflation? What is it? I mean, 3%. depends on the year,
0: usually about 3%, right? Okay. So if you have $100,000 sitting under your mattress,
1: you're paying $3,000 every year for it every single there. year just to sit there. You're losing every year and every year it keeps diminishing more. And what are the chances realistically? I
0: guess it depends on what kind of bank you have your money in. If you just have your money in a checking savings account, yeah, like most of these are federally insured. Bank. So it would have to be like, a catastrophically huge event for your money to disappear, right?
1: Completely. And I think that's that's the key. So when you're putting your money into a savings account, if you go to any bank, they're probably going to be FDIC insured. And so what that means is that's like federal insurance up to $250,000. So if something were to happen, then you get that money back federally insured, like you're, you're safe. What happens if it's more away. than $250,000? Then you may not. So this okay. is what we were kind of seeing with the Silicon Valley bank collapse is a lot of people were putting more than two fifty dollars in there. And so that in theory could go away. So you do want to think about it that way, too, if you're a high-income earner. So would that
0: be like, okay, I'm going to use a couple of different banks. I'm going to have no yeah. more than this in whatever their level yes. of federally
1: insuredness is. A hundred percent. So if you've got that much liquid cash, you should probably consider diversifying banks for sure. Okay. That's very interesting. What is, um, again,
0: I, this is more just like, you know, gossipy, interesting thing, but like <laughs> when people talk about having their offshore accounts, like what is that? What is it? What is <laughs> Is this they're like super say, rich
1: people like hiding yeah, money? Honestly, it is, yes. Um, so what they're trying to do is evade some of the the taxes. And that's kind of why people will move to like Texas or Washington to not have to pay the state taxes. That's a very similar I- ideology where it's like you'll save even more on taxes. So it is quite legit, but it can like, Florida be Florida doesn't scary. have no Florida. Florida they don't either. have a property tax, right? Um, I don't know. It's income tax. I don't. I'm sure they probably do. Like I know if you buy
0: a car in Florida, you don't have to pay tax on it.
1: Right, right. Yeah, they don't have the income tax piece there. So there's like maybe six or seven states that have that. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, yeah. Like that's we were seeing during the pandemic. So many people were liquidating all their houses and all of their businesses and moving them to Texas. So
0: many people went to Texas,
1: and that's why. Still are so
0: much money. They save
1: so much money by doing that. So interesting. And you would so you could
0: even have like a second like if Texas was a primary residency, but you had the ability to live elsewhere part time in the year, like you could. Totally. Do you just have to make the most like the largest
1: percentage of your money in that state? Yeah, I think that's the 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 primary rule is where do you live mostly? And so I I can't talk about like the tax implications. So I don't really yeah. recall all of that, and it changes. Um, but I think it is like where do you mostly stay?
0: very interesting. It's so weird, right? Like there's so many things you can do to just logistically adjust your income and output, but you, you got to really understand it, it
1: sounds like. You and being- do. And I think it's complicated. And that's the whole thing about all of finances. It feels the the practices of getting good with money is very simple and very straightforward. Budget, have an emergency fund, invest your money. Make sure you're paying, you know, some your taxes on time, ideally. So, like, keep keep up to date on all that, all that stuff, and you're good. Yeah. But when it gets more nuances, when you start businesses, when you start investing more, when you start to make a ton more money, that's where all of the complications can really sneak in, and that's where CPAs, uh, financial planners, are really helpful for some of that stuff too. But like having somebody on your team that is an expert in that area is so yeah. key, and it's so hard to find.
0: It's so hard. So, I mean, my company it went from me and my mom to this like, not even massive, but like at most I had 12 employees on my like build side team. And then I have the store that maybe had a dozen employees. So not huge by any measure, but very, very complicated because there's, you know, construction budget and talent income. And I mean, so many different buckets. And I have had four accountants in the last six years yeah. And I went from one that was like, we, 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 with who I was with before we grew. And I was like, yeah, I don't know enough to even know that you don't know enough, but you definitely don't know enough to a yeah. huge company um, that I was like, okay, they, they know this. They can figure this out. They, the BKD in Indiana is massive, yeah. but we were the little fish in their big pond. Yeah. And it got even more mucked up and been working the last year to figure out a transition to, it, it's just crazy how much it, it can get messed up because you would think, well, you make a bunch of money, it gets complicated. But what's the most fun for me is like, but I don't have money in the bank. How is this happening? It's crazy, like, right? my my taxes are showing I uh-huh. made three million dollars and like, I don't right. have three million dollars. like right. And it's it really is you have to find the right person you because it can really, really affect your, your, your savings, your future, your finances. And I, I I think, I mean, obviously that's probably part of why you got into it. Like that part is very fulfilling. Like, so as a, as a coach for people, so there's probably a technicality or like, because you say coach,
1: does that mean you are or are not? like a quote-unquote financial advisor? Correct. This is such a good question. So coaches are very different than advisors. So kind of- Like a consultant? Yeah, more so. So legally, I'm not qualified to say, Mina, go put all of your money into this index fund and I can even do that for you. Can't do that. I can't recommend life insurance policies. Like all of that stuff, I'm not licensed to be able to legally give that type of advice. So coaching is more on like the day-to-day and the education behind decisions than it is like, go do this. Let me go just manage all your money for you. So it's a very different approach. So that that is a huge difference between coaching and advising. And sometimes okay. people go to an advisor hoping for a coach and vice versa. And yeah. so you do have to know kind of what you're looking for there.
0: So if I was talking to you about my general finances and wanting to make sure I had money for my kids that are going to maybe do a trade school or something, Yep. I would be talking to you about like my general plan and then maybe be like, okay, well, look at this thing when you're looking at 529s. Come back. And if you're not understanding something, I can help you understand the lingo or or things like that. Exactly. So it's more… You're you're a financial therapist. It sounds yes, lovely.
1: Truly, truly.
0: I feel like anyone that's in the coaching industry is though fill in the blank therapist. I did like a business like <laughs> a six Uber month business of. thing. Yes, yes. It is. And I was like you were just my business therapist. It was great. I loved
1: it so much. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Coaching is it's a ton of fun. I often tell people financial coaching is like a personal trainer for your financial life. Yeah. Like you you go in thinking you're going to get all of these results, and you end up working on some deeper stuff that you didn't even know was blocking you. It's crazy.
0: So I want to talk about kind of like a taboo part of it, but one that – so when my husband and I got married, like neither of us had a bunch of money. But because I have so many emotions attached to money and needing to keep my independence, the way we set our money up, we we did a prenup, even though we both had no money. But it's like the one thing I learned from paralegaling from my mom was hope for the best, plan for the worst. Yes. Because when things go bad and money is involved, it just gets ugly, so ugly. And I think you've probably, if you're saying it's these big life events that people are doing these resets, it's kind of because they have to, right? It's true. You do. So with that in mind, like we both have our own checking accounts that, I mean, he could look at mine, I could look at his, but then we have a joint one that all our groceries come out of. And for him, I think it was really hard to understand because it feels very personal too. Yeah, like, it well, does, Why right? would you not trust me? I'm like, no, 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 no. This has nothing to do with you, bro. This is all my issues. 100%. So like that first step of working through that with people I think is a very big part of like the therapy piece. But right. what, how do you approach that like challenges if you're working with, you know, a partnership or a couple and kind of sussing out those emotions that they have attached to maybe why they're in the financial situation they are?
1: It's so funny because oftentimes we, I'm reading a book right now that's called The Gap and the Gain, and it kind of talks a little bit about this too. And I think it's so fascinating where occasionally we will compare ourselves to an ideal, an ideal standard. So my parents did money this way, therefore I should do money this way. I've always heard, you know, this is what works best. So that's what we should do too. Instead of just stepping back and looking at it from the perspective of, hey, what's best for us, which is exactly what you and your husband did. You were not comfortable giving up all of your independence, which is actually kind of smart. You should still have some access to your own your own money and keep things a little separate, in my opinion. Um, but I do think that we don't have one way to do it. And so that's so key, too, is sometimes people will come to me and say, Whitney, I really, we're not on the same page. He wants this checking account. I want this checking account, but we can't seem to agree. And ultimately it's like, well, what's best for your relationship in your life? What can you both agree with that you feel comfortable moving forward on? And once you realize it's almost like you have to give people permission to say, it's okay to do things slightly differently. It doesn't have to be the same way that your parents did it or your best friend did it. It gives them that permission to feel, okay, maybe we can do it on our own terms. And so it's really helpful. Well, and
0: I think, yeah, there's so much. I think that the the fear of judgment from other people, like, oh, your yeah. marriage isn't stable if you have to have separate accounts. Like, yeah. no, it those things so are not yeah. linked. There's, yeah. so much, there's so much judgment about everything right now, but particularly that, yeah. like, why would you ever need to do X, Y, Z? I'm like, wait till you get divorced, then talk to me. Or wait yeah. till you guys have a catastrophic life event or you lose your job. Like, and you didn't talk about these things because, yep. so I grew up Catholic. <laughs> um, I'm not, I'm a, I'm barely even a, a creaster anymore, which is, you know, just Christmas and Easter. But <laughs> like, I've talked about this before on the podcast, what, like the prep you have to do for marriage. You talk about all these things. It's a lot. One of the good things is you, you talk about all that. And I feel like people roll into relationships, businesses, partnerships, marriages, and don't talk about this. And it's so dang important.
1: Yep. It is so, so huge. Angry. That's why I was so happy when you said you you did do a prenup because here uh, I, let me just harp on prenups for a sec because so often it feels like the narrative behind that is if you do a prenup you're expecting to get divorced. Yeah. And that is so not the case. Like what I have to remind people of too is you already have a prenup. It's just the state's plan for your money. Yeah. So if you don't agree with that, control. Yeah, totally. So if you want to have some say in that it's worth exploring a prenup, it doesn't mean you're setting yourself up for failure. There is a fee attached to that, of course, to set it up legally, but we all, we, everybody has a prenup Everybody does. And yeah. so it's it's not unique. It's just you want to stay in it. In Indiana, it's just 50-50. Doesn't
0: matter. Idaho too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I think because my husband and I did grow up so differently, his parents were married 40 some years till they passed away. You know, college, high school sweethearts. My parents, I, you know, there was four marriages by the time I was in high school, just on my dad's side. Mm-hmm. Um, seven altogether. So – and I saw money being such this tool of control and like a mechanism and a, and a weapon. And I'm marrying you. Like you have never used this weapon against me. But I want to make sure that that's just not an option because people behave badly when things get ugly. They I paralegled for my mom and she did family law. And I saw so many divorces of these people who mm-hmm. maybe loved each other endlessly for 20 years. And then just things changed and it gets so ugly. People… Fight for money, fight for kids, fight for possessions. So you know the person that you're theoretically going into whatever this partnership is, whether it's a business or a marriage. So just agree to all the things up front. And even if you're not comfortable, like, well, what if things change? Make a clause for that. This is our prenup barring drug addiction, uh, you know, financial… Adultery. Yes. All those things. And just agree to it at the beginning because you know, if uh, God forbid my husband and I ever were to separate, he's the most amazing dad in the world. I don't see that ever happening. But I would would like to say now I would never fight him for full custody. But when you're hurt, you do nasty things. So all those things, just like planning in advance makes your life so much easier because it's not a question. It's one thing in life that is not a question.
1: I think at the very least to just go through your state's plan of like what would happen if you did get divorced yeah. because- and I are we cool I, with that? Yeah. I don't even think people do that at a bare minimum. And marriage at the end of the day, like, yes, it's a, it's a very deeply intimate, amazing connection, but it is still a legal contract. So you really yeah. do need to make sure you read through it and know what you're truly signing up for. So yeah, that's my harp on prenups.
0: This is all my to lead into. And again, people, I am a firm believer in marriage. I am married. I never plan on getting divorced. I think it's great for some people, not right for everyone. But I think there still are a lot of women and men that are in a relationship that is now financially bound, like say traditionally, husband and wife, financially bound, where there is that huge financial gap where one has no control of the finances and it's falling apart. So let's say we're in that situation, your mom's situation. and you know, you're, the, the parents are you're getting divorced or you know you need to. I'm always like, I'm going to play the long game. I'm not going to say shit to you. and I'm going to move money. I'm going to do wild things. <laughs> just slowly, yes. I'm going to slowly figure this out and then I'm going to be like, hey, bro, I'm gone. Here's the paper. Um, <laughs> but what is like if you're like talking to anyone, but in that position that needs to get out of whatever that situation is, what are the steps they can take? Because I think for a lot of people, it is very like I'm just stuck. I'm stuck because of money. I'm stuck because of kids. I'm stuck because of whatever, like to empower anyone to be able to start making some changes
1: and take power back, what what are some things they can do? So I think it depends on the severity of the relationship. Like in in my mom's situation, like she definitely needed to talk to the women and children's uh, centers and talk to, you know, those people to get some guidance on how do you safely leave a relationship. Because yeah. that it's that period when you leave. That is the most dangerous time. Like it's very very scary. And so let's assume that's not the extreme circumstance. It's just like I'm unhappy in this relationship. It's not working. I feel like I've lost my independence, and, and I, I have want no out financial control. The first thing I would do is I would honestly just start to go get a part time job. I really would. I would start to get that income piece so that you feel like you have some control and some autonomy. Because I think especially when. What I observe when moms stay home with the kids, they tend to lose that independence sometimes. And so take that back, go get that part-time job. When your kids are in school, go work, whatever the c- circumstances. Try to pick up some extra hours if you can and start to build up that nest egg so that you are safe and you can actually financially afford to get your own apartment, all of that kind of stuff. And I hope if you haven't had conversations with your spouse about this, that would probably be a really good thing to do with a counselor or therapist and just have both of you go in there, sit down, try to talk it out first. And then if it's still not working out, you got to get that independence back. I think there's talking
0: about going to a therapist and this There's just so much judgment across the board there is i personally have friends that i'm like they're not going to a therapist they're not getting on medication they're not seeking financial help just because they're like i should be able to do this myself no just if anyone needs to hear this you should not be able to do it yourself we are not all experts in everything and getting help is great if you need medication to help with that help that is great like I have always been very clear, like I'm on Wellbutrin, Lexapro, now I'm off Lexapro and on Latuto, like working yeah. – and it's it's this – I would go to a therapist every day if I had the time for it. So I, I think it's so hard for people who were either raised a certain way or feel a certain way about getting outside help, or I think a lot of people are scared of other people finding out that they're getting outside help and the judgment that they would get for that. Oh,
1: for sure we are, right? It's so – we And honestly, everyone's so busy with their lives that they really don't care. Like, no, they, no, it's they just really they don't. They don't. It's, they, everyone, everyone's so busy. But yeah. it does stop us, like, that that shame and that judgment and that, well, what are they going to think? And it's like, who, who gives a shit at the end of the day? If you're unhappy, fix your shit. Go get yeah. help. Ask for it. And it's hard. Like, that's it's the hardest so part hard. is asking for help. Yeah. But I think um finding people, too, like, in your circle that have gotten help that you can trust and you can just say, hey... You mentioned you went to this type of therapist. How was your experience? I'm just kind of curious. And yeah. start to normalize it more in your own circle. Yeah. Um, but man, sometimes that that language of like, this is weird. I shouldn't do this. That yeah. judginess. It's just in our head. Nobody really it cares. It is. And
0: that's like, that's the whole reason I started the podcast because yeah. I happened into a platform where a lot of people listen to what I have to say and I'm like, a, I'm a safe channel to hear weird things because like, I'm a mom. Yeah. I'm married. I'm Stable, you know, like so I can say wilder shit and people will be like, oh, well, she seems normal and she's saying wild
1: shit. <laughs> like, well, so maybe you. it's not maybe
0: it's not so wild. Um so yes, guys, get help. Do what you need to do. What Good has after. been the most rewarding thing um in your in
1: your like financial coaching career so far? Mm. I would say the most rewarding piece is when I have clients that I've worked with that were Really struggling to get their stuff together, like they felt like they were truly paycheck to paycheck. And then a couple of years later, after we get done working together, they reach out and they're like, "Hey, just so you know, I'm still investing. Here's what my net worth is, and I'm to- still totally ah. debt free." Like to me, that is like the greatest joy. It's Factually so freaking cool. Changing people's lives and oh, the it's amazing. Of it. Yeah. Oh, so it's so fun. So that's probably the biggest rewarding piece. What is
0: one thing that you wish you that you know now that you wish you had known before you really kind of got into
1: this financial world? Oh, so for the business side of it, for the financial coaching side, yeah. I wish I would have realized earlier on that growing a coaching business is not about being a phenomenal coach. It's about being a better marketer. And I yeah. hate that, but it's true. And yeah. so I I wish I would have known that much sooner. Yeah.
0: Again, getting outside help. Like I don't know marketing. I should bring someone in to do it. Hundred percent. And even
1: though you probably weren't like feeling any kind of way about it, it's just that yeah. lack of that piece of knowledge. Well, and it makes you feel like crap about yourself because you're like, I'm a great coach. I'm really helping people. Why am I not getting more clients it's just or getting customers? In front of the right people. It's because your exposure. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So
0: you have the podcast now, Money Nerds. How long yeah. has that been going on?
1: That has been going on for seven years. Oh my gosh! Congratulations! Yeah, thank you. That yeah, it's
0: a, been so fun. Absolutely amazing, Um, and this is a lot of what we've talked about today. Is what you're talking about there? Like, what give give everyone like a little rundown if they want. Like, what's the teaser to, to listen to
1: Money Nerds? The teaser is I talk with really cool people each week and learn their secrets to financial success. So whether it's somebody that paid off a ton of debt by running a lice clinic, this is actually true story. She started a lice clinic for her community, oh and that's God, how that's she was able genius. to pay off this. Crazy, right? But for some people, they're like, oh, no, no, that's creepy. Well, it's,
0: it's the non-sexy stuff. Y'all, don't try to be an know, influencer. Honestly. Don't try to be like a TikTok star.
1: Honestly. It's, uh,
0: like- Buy a plumbing company. Start a lice clinic.
1: Amen to that, man. <laughs> I know. I'm. It's crazy how much opportunity is there. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, just kind of gleaming from people. Hey, what works for your finances? What are you doing? What's not working? What do you love? And just kind of distilling that down so that we can all take some practical tips and go apply it to our own lives. Yeah. Okay. This has been super fun.
0: And I know you guys, I have the question box. I would love to have Whitney back on. So if you guys have specific financial questions, drop them in the box and we'll like get some collected so we can do it again. But before we get off, I want to talk about the Idaho flower pot. So I looked at your Instagram. Oh my gosh. What's the flower pot's Instagram name? Idaho flower pot. It's just Idaho flower pot. (laughs) You You were there. It is. It's. It's an Airbnb that
1: you are building that looks like a giant flower pot. Like legit, a giant flower pot. Yes, it's so, twenty-four feet tall. It's why? Crazy. How? What? Like? Oh it man, seems so man, random. I'm like so crazy sometimes. Um, so this is my my weird dabbles. Like my brain's a little passion. ADD. You know, like, I like to go do all the things. And so we had just uh, finished up a geodome glamping site in Idaho this as well. You and your mom. No. So my mom and I were doing the flower pot together, but the geodome was my partner, Tony and I. And so we had just finished up this property and loved the process of just like building all the decks and the foundation. And just, it, it was so fun to me. And so around that time that we were starting to wrap up, Airbnb had this global call for unique ideas. It's called the OMG Fund. And so they were asking architects, designers, DIYers, anybody that has a passion for unique structures to submit an idea. And then they had like a team of judges that would go through and pick out 100 of the quirkiest ideas to give $100,000 to and we were one of the weird winners, so that's where we started building the flower pot. Was partially we had Airbnb money there, where we had to move on it.
0: <laughs> also, side note: there's so much free money out there, you guys. Like, there it, is, is, it is insane. It really is, and it's figuring strong. out how to find out how to get it is very hard because I've I've got like one grant for a facade on one of my on the store that I have, and oh, cool. that felt like I was you know go it was like 4 years of college to figure out how to get the free money. But yeah. if you have the
1: time, it's there. So yeah. where
0: are you in in the build process?
1: So we are working on stucco right now. We just got it all sealed up so our roof is in and we've got insulation being blown in next week. And so then I can come in and do all of the interior the stuff. pretty stuff. That's I'm so, so stoked. So
0: cool. I'm 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 it's very crazy. excited for you. You guys Thank gotta you. look at the the what are the Instagram page. It's really really freaking cute.
1: It's fine. Um,
0: all right. Any final words for our, our people before we sign off here?
1: The, the biggest tip I can give anybody that's trying to improve their finances is I'm going to go back to that awareness. Go pull your head out of the sand. Write down all of your situation. How much money do you make? How much do you have in your investments? How much do you have in debt? Get everything listed out so that you can make a very clear decision of what's best for you in your life. Perfect. Is there any app, um, like not,
0: we're not sponsored by anything or anything like mm-hmm. that, but is there a couple like uh, different ones that you find are better and worse? Cause there's so many. There's like, a
1: ton. Yeah. So there's, there's two that I would usually recommend. So one is you need a budget. It's called Wineab. My caveat with this is it'll take a few months to learn the system. OK, but it's a good app. I don't use it. I use Google Sheets personally and just have all my, my tracking and stuff on there. Yeah. Um, and then Mint, I think, is really helpful yes, to help me track. I use Mint. Yeah. Okay. It's good for tracking. I don't love it for budgeting, for forecasting, yeah. but for the tracking piece, it's great. OK. OK. So then that's just would be a big part of getting that knowledge for people. Yeah. So at least have this
0: a uh, jumping off point. Exactly. All right. Well, this has been super, super fun. You guys, check out the Idaho Flower Pot. Check out the Money Nerds and drop some questions in the box. You guys know how to do it. The link is in the show notes. Um, I would love to get some like specific ones for Whitney so we can do this again because money is such an interesting and hot button topic. So let's talk about it more. And until then, I will see you guys next Tuesday.